0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with y'all. It's good to be with you guys. Hey, if this is your first time here, my name is Garrison, and I'm one of the pastors here at Veritas State, and we're very glad that you're here this morning. Uh, if you take a moment uh, to fill out the Connect card, there's a, you received a bulletin when you walked in this morning. If you take a moment just to fill out a Connect card, we'd love to, to get to know you a little bit and, and find out how we can get a hold of you to to get you involved with what God is doing here in our church family. Uh, and, and if nothing else, we'd love to just be able to pray for you. There's a space for for prayer requests on that Connect card, and if you could just jot down a few things, we'd love to be in prayer for you this week. Uh, the elders and I uh, look through those and, and and pray through those every week. When they are um, available, so uh, please take a moment to do that. Uh, turn to uh, John fourteen, John fourteen, and then also John fifteen. Uh, we're we're going to look at two texts this morning: John fourteen, fifteen to twenty-six, John chapter fourteen, verses fifteen to twenty-six, and John chapter fifteen, verse twenty-six to chapter sixteen, fifteen. I know that's a lot of numbers um but you're smart and i think you can you can handle it john 14:15 to 26 john 15:26 to 16:15 if you don't have a bible with you there are white and blue paperback bibles at the edge of each bench and grab those turn to pages 525 and 526 and that'll get you where you need to go the chapter numbers are the bigger numbers the verse numbers are the smaller numbers in between the the sentences um so we're looking at John 14:15 to 26 and John 15:26 to 16:15. All right. Well, when you're there, you can go ahead and stand with me for the reading of God's holy and precious word. This is what the Holy Spirit says to us this morning, church. So let's listen with reverence and joy. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples the night before he's crucified. Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. It's John fourteen fifteen to twenty six, and now John fifteen twenty six to sixteen fifteen. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about Me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, we celebrate on this day the day of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the birth of the church, the coming of the Spirit in power to give us the new birth, to give us the 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 holy spirit baptism and what a good and gracious gift thank you for the personal presence of the holy spirit in our lives and we pray that this morning that his presence would be sensed that his presence would be known that his presence would be felt that he would come with conviction that he would come with comfort That he would come with converting power. That he would come to make Jesus known in this place. That he would come to glorify Jesus and declare to us the truth of Jesus Christ. Lord, we, we need you. We need the work of Christ. We need the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And so we call on you now as people in utter need for you to come and help. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Not long ago, uh, Table Talk magazine put out an issue in honor of the recently deceased R.C. Sproul. Um, in it, they had a series of articles written in honor of R.C. Sproul and uh, in several interviews. And one of those interviews was with his family, with his, his wife, his son, his daughter, And uh, his wife had this really interesting story about her conversion. Um, And and Dr. Sproul actually uh, shared this story in a book written about 20 years ago. And uh, the story is really quite uh, sweet and and funny. And apparently, uh, R.C. Sproul and Vesta Sproul, uh, they had been engaged to be married. And uh, neither of them were Christians at the time that they got engaged. Uh, But shortly after they got engaged, R.C. became a Christian. And like a serious one, he became one of those, you know, born-again Christians that told everyone else that they needed to be born again too. And uh, in this interview, Vesta Sproul said that at the time, on the one hand, she thought that it might be good for him to be a Christian. Uh, She says in the Table Talk interview, uh, well, it's nice that he's a Christian. He has some problems in his life. He needs to be a Christian. Uh, But apparently he was telling everyone about Jesus all the time. And so she said, I just wish he'd tone it down a bit. Well, one weekend, uh, Vesta was coming home from college to, to Pittsburgh uh, to, to visit R.C. for a, a, a sort of spring break or something. And uh, he was going to bring her to this prayer meeting. And, uh, and R.C. had made up his mind that if Vesta hadn't become a Christian on this weekend, that he was going to break things off with her. Um, he didn't tell anyone, but he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed in such a way, he, he said, that it would make the pleas of the importunate uh, widow, widow look mild in comparison. He said that uh, he didn't know anything about election or God's eternal decree, but if her name was not written in the book of eternal life, he would have scratched it in that day. And so the day came and, and Vesta joined R.C. at a prayer meeting. And, and at the prayer meeting, there was a devotional beforehand, sharing the gospel, and, and then a time of prayer together. And almost immediately after this prayer meeting started, Vesta said out loud, "Oh my goodness, I know now who the Holy Spirit is. I know now who the Holy Spirit is." Now, she probably didn't know much about the doctrine of re- regeneration or the effectual call. Uh, she probably didn't know uh, how to communicate with the correct formula, the doctrine of the Trinity, but that phrase is telling, isn't it? She knew who. The Holy Spirit is now. And I pray that you do as well this morning because knowing the person of the Holy Spirit is essential for life with God in Jesus Christ. And so we want to look at, for the next few moments, we want to look at this sort of big idea. The Holy Spirit is a person and our paraclete. The Holy Spirit is a person and our paraclete. And we're going to unpack that by looking at the person And the paraclete, the person and the paraclete. And don't be distracted by that word paraclete yet. We're going to define it. But these two points answer these two questions. First, who is the Holy Spirit? And we'll seek to answer that by looking at the Holy Spirit as a person. And who is he to us? That's the second question we're going to answer. Who is he to us? And, And we'll unpack that by looking at the paraclete. First, the person of the Holy Spirit. In our text this morning, Jesus is teaching his disciples about what is to come. So this is the night before his death. He's about to be betrayed and tortured and crucified and and then subsequently rise and ascend. And uh, in, in John 14 to 16, he's telling his disciples that he's going to go away. And they're obviously very troubled. Sorrow has filled their hearts, we see. They're, they're distraught. Their teacher and leader and friend. Their closest companion, who they've spent most of their waking moments with over the last several years, is about to go away. And so everything he's saying is, is heavy with meaning and, and tender with care. He's trying to comfort them. He's trying to assure them. And he does so by telling them about the person of the Holy Spirit. How the Holy Spirit is going to come and and, and dwell the disciples. How he's going to be at work in their lives. How he's going to be their friend, another friend, another comforter, another helper. And how he's going to bring them into a closer relationship with Christ. And one of the things that Jesus makes clearly evident here is that the Holy Spirit is a person. Now this is deeply important. uh, That we understand that the Holy Spirit is a person is, is very, very important. You know, in in this series, we're in a sermon series on the Holy Spirit right now, and we're going to spend the next several weeks uh, to to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, what he does in our lives. But we want to take this Sunday to simply tell you that he is a person. He's not a force. He's not an it. He's not uh, an aura. He's not, as one author put it, the vapor trail of Jesus. He's a person. Now, and I, I, I know that thinking of the Holy Spirit as a person might not come as naturally as thinking of the other two persons of the Trinity as, as persons. Father, that's a relational title. Son is a relational title. Just by nature of, of what we call them, it's evident that they are persons. The title of the Holy Spirit might not give you the picture of a person at first glance, but what we see in our text and the rest of the Old and New Testaments is that the Holy Spirit is a person. This is seen in the way that Jesus continually refers to the Holy Spirit as he and him. In John fourteen fifteen, we see Jesus say, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. In fourteen twenty six, Jesus says, The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. In John fifteen twenty six, Jesus says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And if all of those he's and him's don't get the point across, that the Holy Spirit is a person. Look at what Jesus says, starting in, in chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Let's go back to verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whenever, whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he... Will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus is making it crystal clear here that He is not an it. He is a He. The Holy Spirit is a person. In John fourteen twenty six, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit teaches. In fifteen twenty six, the Holy Spirit bears witness. In sixteen thirteen, the Holy Spirit guides. He teaches. He hears. In 16, 14, 15, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit declares. Only a person teaches and witnesses and guides and hears and declares. And the rest of the New Testament continues to bear witness to this, to the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Acts 8, 29 says that the Holy Spirit speaks. He tells Philip, he speaks to Philip and tells him, go over to this chariot and share the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch. In Galatians 5, 17, we see that the Spirit desires, he has desires. In Acts 5.3, Peter says that the Spirit was lied to by Ananias and Sapphira. In, in Ephesians 4.30, Paul says that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. He can grieve. You know, only a person can hear. Only a person can speak. Only a person can desire. Only a person can be lied to. Only a person can be grieved. He's a person. But we see that he's not just a person. We also see that the Holy Spirit is a divine person. As Christians, we confess and believe that our God is triune, tri meaning three, and Un meaning one. God is three in one, three persons, but one being, one essence, one God. The Father is fully God, the Son is fully God, the Spirit is fully God, yet there is one God. And still, there are not three fathers, or three sons, or three Holy Spirits, but one Father, one Son, one Holy Spirit. They're co-equal in glory and majesty, co-eternal, one God, three persons. For all of eternity, God has been there in joy-filled, happy, incessantly delightful relationship. And one of the things that you might notice in the scriptures is that they make it very clear that the Father is God. The scriptures clearly refer to him as God or Lord. They also make it very clear that the Son is God. Jesus is referred to as God. He calls himself the I Am in John 8. And there are many texts from the Old Testament that are quoted in the New Testament. They're about Yahweh, and they're applied to the person of Jesus. But we honestly just don't see as many texts regarding the divinity of the Holy Spirit. And yet there are texts, clear texts, in the scriptures that reveal the divinity of the Holy Spirit. If you look at our text this morning, one indication of the divinity of the Holy Spirit is that Jesus calls him in 1416, another helper. And saying this, Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying I'm a helper. I'm, I'm your helper. He's the the helper that the disciples already know, but he's going to send another helper helper that is comparable to him. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are two helpers sent to us from the Father. In 16.7, Jesus says that it's even better for this helper to come to us and for Jesus to go away, to be ascended. Well, how could it be true unless the Holy Spirit is a divine person? How could that be true, that, that it'd be better that Jesus would go away and the Holy Spirit would come unless the, unless the Holy Spirit was divine and, and equal and co-eternal and, and co-glorified uh, co, uh, with Jesus from the beginning? How could it be better for the Holy Spirit to come to us and Jesus go away unless the Holy Spirit is divine? And of course, there are a number of other texts outside this passage as well. Look at the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. We talk about this all the time. And that's where we're given the words for the institution of the sacrament of baptism. And notice what Jesus says. He says that we are to baptize in the tri-personal name, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father, Son, and Spirit share a name. In Acts 5.3, Peter says that Ananias lied to the Holy Spirit. And just two verses later, Acts 5.5, 5, Peter says that Ananias, in doing so, has not lied to men, but to God. In 1 Corinthians 3.16-17, Paul says that the church is the temple of God. And then just a few chapters later, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, Paul says that the church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 9, 14 calls the Holy Spirit the eternal spirit. He's eternal. Only God is eternal. Psalm 139, 7 and 10, 7, 8, 9, 10 reveals that the Holy Spirit He's present everywhere, all at once. Who's omnipresent except God? And there's more, but suffice it to say, the Holy Spirit is a divine person. Scriptures reveal the Holy Spirit. The Scriptures reveal the Holy Spirit as a divine person. He's not a force. He's not an aura. He's not Jesus' vapor trail. He's a person. He's a divine person. He's fully and truly God. And, and so why is that so incredibly important? It's, it's important for a lot of reasons. It's important because this is who God is. It's important because we're going to explore the work of the Holy Spirit over the next several weeks, and we need to know first that this is not the work of some thing or some "it, but of a person who loves us and knows us, and whom we can love and know. And it's important because we need to know and be known by the Holy Spirit. Like you can't know or be known by a force, and it cannot love and be loved. He's a person. A person can love and be loved. A person can be known and know. You can have a relationship with a person. You can commune with a person. And that's the basis for the next point. The Holy Spirit is a person. And the Holy Spirit is our paraclete. Who is he to us? The Holy Spirit is the paraclete to us. Now, that's a weird word. That's because it's not an English word. It's the Greek word translated as helper in our text here. John 14, 16. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. 14.26 says the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. 15.26, when the helper comes, He whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. 16.7 says, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Now, if you've got a different translation of the Bible, this is the English Standard Version. If you have a different translation, there might be a different word used there. You might be seeing the word advocate, or counselor, or comforter, or some translators just throw up their hands and use the word paraclete. Reason being, it's a word that is so robust and pregnant with meaning that there's simply not an English word that will capture it. Uh, Helper, comforter, counselor, advisor, friend, intercessor, and others will do, but they also don't quite. Capture it. Rather, they just simply give a picture of one particular aspect of what a paraclete is. As Charles Spurgeon put it, he said, These words reveal corners of the word rather than the whole of it. They are lights that really stream from the text, but they are one, but they are one of the many prismatic colors rather than the combined light of the very instructive and wonderful word, paraclete. But if we are forced to sum it up in a single sentence, a paraclete, and and this is the the definition in your bulletin, a paraclete is a helper, an advocate, a friend, advisor, comforter, intercessor, and all around someone who is there with you with with the exact help you need precisely when you need it. That's who the Holy Spirit is to us. He's someone who is always there with the exact help we need. I got to grow up seeing a beautiful picture of this with my grandparents, my nana and papa. And I, I don't think I really understood at the time, but, but as I've gotten older, I've, I've really come to appreciate it. Uh, when I was still pretty young, my papa, he had a stroke, and uh, he was left paralyzed and, um, and disabled from this stroke. And, um, and he died when I was 15. So there were 12 years there that I got to watch my nana take care of him. And and it was like watching a small, imperfect parable of the idea of the Holy Spirit as Paraclete. She was his nurse, his caretaker, his friend, his companion. When he would have bouts at the hospital, she was there advocating for it, like f- literally fighting and yelling at the doctors on his behalf. She was a fierce woman. She is a fierce woman, she's still alive. She was his cook, his accountant. When he needed to move to a warmer climate, she moved them down to South Carolina. And when he wanted to move back up to Dayton to spend his final years with his grandchildren, they, uh, she, she moved them back up here. All of that and more. I mean, like, w- when, whenever he needed to go to the restroom, he would just give her the signal and she would help him. Which was like, that's a difficult task. I mean, he was a, a large man and, and she is um, she's a, a woman, elderly. She was in her 60s, 70s at the time helping him get up and go to the restroom. Whenever he needed to eat, he would give her the signal. She would help him whenever he needed her to speak up on his behalf. He would somehow communicate with her and she would do it. She was always there with the exact exact help he needed precisely when he needed it. She never left him to fend for himself. And that's who the Holy Spirit is for you, Christian. Even from the start of the Christian life. like We would not... Even know or trust in Christ without the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12.3 says that no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. We we need the Holy Spirit. No one can trust in Christ and confess Jesus as Lord for salvation to begin with apart from him. We need the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit to come, as Jesus says in John 16.13, and to guide us into the truth. We need him to graciously convict us of our sin and to lead us to repentance as Jesus says he does in John 16, eight. We need him to glorify Jesus to us as Jesus says he will do in John 16, 14. And even after our conversion, we, we need him. Like if you're in the midst of difficult circumstances, if you are in the midst of trials in life, which some of you are, some of you are in the midst of really difficult circumstances right now, you need the paraclete. He may not necessarily take you out of them, in fact, if you read John 14 to 16, you should do that today, tonight, before you go to bed. You see that Jesus is actually promising that his people will meet various difficulties and trials in life. Like they're going to be put out of the synagogue. They're going to be killed. In John 16, he says, you will have tribulation in this world. You will. It's, it's, not, it's not an if. It's a, it's a when you will. But that's part of why the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is such good news. When Jesus says in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. He's, he's not talking about some abstract idea. He's talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the presence of the personal Holy Spirit. And though he might not take you out of difficulties and trials in life, he will be with you in the midst of them. And he will give you peace and comfort. And he will sustain you in the midst of them. Just last week, I, I watched... Friends of mine walk through a particularly difficult and horrible situation without the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's it's heartbreaking to know that people have to walk through horrendous circumstances in life without the peace and comfort of the Holy Spirit. He's our paraclete in that he gives us peace and comfort in the midst of trials and loss. And that he never leaves us. He never leaves us to fend for ourselves. Or what about situations where you're, you're given an opportunity to share your faith or to stand up for a just cause, but you're nervous because you don't know what to say? Luke 12, 12, the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you are to say. He's our paraclete in that he gives us words when we have none. Or how about in, in prayer? Are you struggling to pray? I, I, I don't think there's a Christian out there that hasn't struggled with praying. Sometimes you just can't pray. Well, guess what? Romans 8.26, he helps us in, his, in our weakness, for we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Or here's one we don't often think of. We're, we're given the local church as a gift from the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's part of what we're celebrating. It's Pentecost Sunday. We're celebrating the coming of the Holy Spirit, his personal presence. And not only that, we're, we're celebrating the, the birth of the church, the beginning of the church, God's people filled with God's spirit. We're celebrating the descent of the spirit, but we're also celebrating the birth of the church. The spirit saves us and fills us, not so that we'll live independent Christian lives. He saves us and fills us so that we'll live lives with his people in interdependence. Jesus fills us with the Holy Spirit to bring us into the people filled with the Holy Spirit who are endowed with the gifts of the Holy Spirit so that we would be all continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's more. If we need assurance, the Spirit gives us assurance. We need the transformation of our character. Well, he bears spiritual fruit in us. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit for our lives. And he gives us spiritual gifts. And we're going to look at a number of ways that the Holy Spirit gives wonderful gifts to us in the next several weeks. But for now, let me say this. The best thing about having the Holy Spirit with us is simply having the personal presence of God with us. So we'll look at all the gracious workings and and, and, and the life of of God's people in the weeks to come that the Holy Spirit does. We we do well to remember that better than all the streams of blessing is the fount himself. I mean, there there are many precious, precious and priceless gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. He gives us conviction, he gives us the forgiveness of sins. He applies the forgiveness of sins that Jesus purchased 2,000 years ago to us. He, he gives us the new birth. He, he gives us peace in times of trial. He gives us comfort. He gives us numerous and numberless gifts. But the best part, that we, the best part about it all is that we get the personal presence of God himself. And that's who the Holy Spirit is. He's a person. He's a divine person. He's the third person of the Trinity. And he is our paraclete, our helper, comforter, advocate, counselor, and friend. He comforts us. He convicts us. He teaches us. He helps us. He witnesses to us. He speaks to us, changes us, counsels us, advocates for us. He he gives us power to witness on behalf of Jesus. He's always there with the exact help we need precisely when we need it. The Holy, the Holy Spirit is a person in our, bar, our paraclete. Now let me leave you as we conclude with two exhortations. First, if you're not a Christian, you need to receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that in John 20, 22. Receive the Holy Spirit. To quote Thomas Arnold, he who does not know the Holy Spirit does not know God at all. You cannot know Christ. You cannot know God. You cannot trust Christ. You cannot have forgiveness unless the Holy Spirit gives you new birth from above. You are spiritually dead in trespasses and sins unless you have the personal presence of the Holy Spirit in you. The crucified dead and risen Lord Jesus, he will never be your savior unless the Holy Spirit gives you eyes to see him and a heart to know him. Ask him now to take the things of Christ and declare them to you. If you wanna talk further, grab me, grab another leader that you've seen up here this morning, but you need to receive the Holy Spirit. And if you are a Christian, let me say this. Don't ignore the Holy Spirit. Don't ignore him. You don't have to be a Pentecostal to, to not ignore the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that he would not leave us as orphans, but that he would send the Holy Spirit to us. But how often do we live as orphans? He, in, in the paraclete, we have the resources and riches of God for life and godliness at our disposal. But how often do we live in poverty? In the paraclete, we we have a, a, a divine feast set before us, and yet how often do we settle for scraps? I love how Odd Thomas put it in the song about Beautiful Eulogy. He said, we spend a lifetime trying to find love and anything and everything this life has to offer, it's true. And oftentimes we trade temporal satisfactions for the things the genuine believer is entitled to. Don't you see In giving you the Holy Spirit, God has given you communion with himself, sanctification, joy, peace, life, godliness, holiness, self-control, and more in the Holy Spirit. Romans 5.5 says that God has poured his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So please don't ignore the Holy Spirit. Every day acknowledge him and turn to him in your hearts. Be mindful of his presence in you as charles spurgeon uh, exhorted his conver- his congregation on this very passage and, and it's worthy to quote at length so i'm going to close with this he said this honor the spirit of god as you would honor jesus christ if he were present if jesus christ were dwelling in your house you would not ignore him you would not go about your business as if he were not there do not ignore the presence of the holy spirit in your soul I beseech you, do not live as as if you had not heard whether there were a Holy Spirit. We grieve him exceedingly when we do not reckon upon him. Love the Spirit, worship the Spirit, trust the Spirit, obey the Spirit, and as a church, cry mightily to the Spirit. Beseech him to let his mighty power be known and felt among you. The Lord, fire your hearts with this sacred flame. For as this made Pentecost stand out from all other days, may it make this year stand out in our history from all other years. Come, Holy Spirit. You are with us, but come with power and let us feel your sacred might. May it be so. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here with us personally. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being our paraclete. May we never ignore you. May we never act as if you're not there. May we never live as if we hadn't heard that there were a Holy Spirit. Rather, may we commune with you. May we turn to you in our hearts. May we call upon you. May we pray to you. May we worship you. May we obey you. Lord, and, and, and we ask that you would empower us as you witness to us on behalf of Jesus, that you would empower us to be witnesses in our city, in our neighborhoods, in our homes as we are preparing to go from here. Would you help us to to walk with you, to keep in step with you, to be filled with you, to honor you in our hearts? Would you help us to never grieve you, to disobey you, never ignore you? Fill us, we pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Uh, Let's take a few moments for silent reflection before approaching the Lord's table. Then Pastor Dan will come up and lead us in that time.